This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome to Manawatu Conversations, recollections of the past and sometimes opinions about the future. Today we have with us... Kirsten Holst. Alison Milden. And I'm Stuart Burks. Now, Kirsten, uh, you are a, a geriatrician. That's right. I'm, um, as my uh, late husband used to say, a doctor for old, which is the number plate he got me for my car. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think uh, is a good descriptor, so... Um, Theoretically, uh, most of my patients are over 65. I mean, it can be over 55 and of Maori and Pacifica origin. But uh, most of the people that I deal with, in fact, are older than that. They're frail and older. Okay. So, so is it a, an age, an age ethnicity definition? You know, anyone over Pākehā over 65 is geriatric, yeah. or? Um, well, they can certainly come into our service, but as I say, we we tend to. Uh, look after people who are frail and frailty does increase with age um, but certainly not all people who are in their 60s or 70s even are frail they um, are not yeah. and I guess that it's just that we have uh, limited resources yes. um, for okay. what we can do I mean everyone in New Zealand gets treated in the public health system so uh, but they come into hospital usually in an undifferentiated form yeah but the special sort of yeah. requirements is, is, is now. I, I did hear as life expectancy increases, it doesn't mean that you have longer in your frail things. It's sort of the end of life period just shifts upwards. Would that be the case? Um, yes, mostly everything move, moves through. So that um, we'd like to think that we're all going to live and be very healthy. Um, for as long as possible mm. um, but in fact now that we have a lot of chronic conditions people do approach uh, older age with I guess a burden of health problems and yeah. uh, I guess that one of the things that a geriatrician really does is that rather than dealing with one system like a cardiologist deals with hearts, yeah. respiratory physician deals with lungs, renal physician deals with kidneys, we try and deal with a whole person yeah. um, so that we might be dealing with people with heart problems and lung problems and kidney problems and mm. neurological problems um, so strokes and things like that so if you ask me about what the bulk of my work um, is uh, it would be degenerative neurological conditions so that yeah. includes that dementia yeah. particularly dementia but it's things like Parkinson's disease um, and other mm. less common yeah. um, problems so I deal with people with motor neurone disease and um, mm. uh, a lot of people who've had strokes um, we deal with people that have broken their hips because that's what yeah. is regarded as a fragility fracture um, and uh, yeah, is, is is problematic, and we deal with people with chronic conditions that are now really limiting their life. Yeah. Um, so people with uh, you know bad heart failure, um, yeah. Yeah. or people who have problems with COPD or asthma that are limited by breathlessness, uh, yes. and the sorts okay. of pro- problems that 
um, have them there. And I, I guess I work. I think I think sometimes I work as a detective, trying to work out what the biggest problem that somebody has is, and then we do problem solving around that. And yeah. the thing that's quite nice about being a geriatrician is, is that actually being the doctor part of the team mm. isn't necessarily terribly important um, it might be going to be a physiotherapist or an occupational therapist or a social worker or the nurses that make the biggest difference to um, uh, somebody's problem so that you know like if you uh, break your leg getting up and around yeah. is, is an issue with mobility well the same thing can be yeah. if you have heart failure um, getting around you know is a mobility yeah. issue because you're limited by breathlessness or chest pains or um, yeah something like that and uh, you know so that looking at somebody's house the access mm. to their house um, uh, the layout the access to the bathroom um, particularly mm. your, your toilet and your shower mm. those sorts of things and obviously you know that they're not necessarily a medical problem yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. able to fix that yeah. um, but and it's, I think that we you know we as a, a team in geriatrics and we do work as a multidisciplinary team um, it's about uh, who can chip away at the corners yeah, of the problem yeah. okay. um, rather than necessarily being in a situation where we're going to reverse the problem. We're, we're accepting that the problem is there. We're wanting to work out how you get bang for your bucks, yeah. how you get good life. Yeah, I thought it was quite noticeable. You gave a, a, a presentation in our uh, seminar series recently, and, uh, and there was one graph where it showed you, you have sort of going down gradually. You might have a health event, and it dips right down. You recover largely, but not quite as much, and then you carry yeah. on the downward trend, another <laughs> dip and recovery. Yeah. That, that's quite... Uh, so so this presumably this is a, a sort of growing area, and there's growing oh, knowledge yeah. with the aging population. Yeah. One of the things is I think I've, I've, I've chosen to work in a growth field mm. that's for sure and <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good thing yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah I think I think that people um, as they age things are more complex than they used to be and mm. so I, I hopefully see myself as being um, useful in, in the situation of complexity and as I say that's yes. a bit why I see myself as a detective working out what are going to be the things that um, I can make a difference with. Sometimes yeah. I make a really exciting diagnosis and I can do something miraculous uh, with with medicines and things like that. But you know, in reality, most of the time, um, I'm 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 not yeah. able to do a major miracle yeah. for somebody. But I might be able to actually get them back yeah. home and living as they want yeah. to live. So so really good. now. Yeah, as a sort of uh, just an outside observer, I know say fifty years ago the big fear for older people was cancer. Is it now? Would it be dementia? Um, I I think <clears throat> I think it's tricky. I think that yeah, a lot of people are worried mm. about dementia, and I think that that's the thing that most people don't want to come to see me about. But it is a really actually quite a large part of my work because um, memory problems feeds into the, the frailty syndrome um, and mm. your ability to respond um, within that is, is big. And I think that socially um, we used to live in 
um, sort of extended family situations that you, as you grew older, it was likely that your children lived nearby. Hmm. There might have been going to be a daughter that never moved out of home because her job was going to be to care for hmm. her parents and yeah, yeah. things like that. Um, and now yeah. we tend to be, you know, much more dispersed, um, yes. so that families are across the world. Really, yeah. really aware of that now in COVID times. I guess how we would sort of always thought you could fly home. If you come from the UK, yeah. you know, I work with a lot of people who thought that they could come to New Zealand and always would be able to fly home within 24 hours yeah. if something went yeah. wrong. And, you know, now we're in this awful situation <laughs> where it's not like that. Um, and I guess that, you know, a lot of people, you know, you make an assumption that, um, you know, you're, you're going to work until you retire and then you're going to have a, an active retirement. Hmm. Um, and you don't necessarily plan for your uh, children to be part of that you might be you know you might have yes, other good yeah. plans <laughs> um, and but yeah. you know as I say and all of a sudden when you become more dependent on people I think it's um, you know that that's that's a tricky one yeah. yeah but but there's there's a lot being done to support independent living among oh, people yeah certainly um, we know that if we uh, tried to look after everyone in rest homes we couldn't afford to do it as a country yes. you know certainly and certainly the the, the goal of uh, caring for people is to keep them what we call aging in place aging where they want to be living yeah yeah um, and uh, supporting them to be in that that situation. Uh, for as long as possible, and it's it's tricky because one of the big things that uh, people often uh, say is well, they they don't want to certainly they don't want to be a burden on anyone else, but mm. they don't um, they don't want to feel that they are dependent on anyone else either. Yeah. And you know my view about it very much is is that if somebody can help you do something boring that gives you a little bit more energy for something that's exciting that you really want to do go for it i mean i'm i'm yeah. never going to be one that's wanting to clean the toilet you know yeah. I'm, if, <laughs> if i'm going to have if i've got a limited amount of energy to spend on something it's not going to be cleaning yeah. the toilet or possibly yeah. not cleaning very much of my house actually at all i'm yeah. much happier to to get somebody to to come in and do something like that so i have energy oh. to do something that's fun yeah. Now, it's interesting you take that that angle because there were some of the studies looking at why in certain Japanese villages do do people live to a great old age and mm. and one possible explanation they were saying as they get old they're still growing their own vegetables and things but they have obligations to the people down the road and so rather than say I don't want to be a burden they were each supporting each other and they had that network I think that, that I think that we've we've sold ourselves a bit short I think in New Zealand I think that community living just isn't happening the way it should be I mean we, mm. we used to say it takes a village to raise, raise a child well, actually, it mm. takes a village to grow old in as well, really. You, you do need to have interactions with other people. Yeah. And, it, you know, within um, Maori communities, they honour mm. their older people, certainly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we... I don't think as Pākehā we've necessarily taken all that on board the same way that we could have. You know, we yeah, need to take yeah. the good things out of a... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, community situation but you know that that can be a very difficult thing you know in, in, in the Maori community as well because family again are spread everywhere yeah. uh, it's not yeah. it's not the way that it was and it's um, you know even if 
if you have a large family, it's not necessarily settling to move from one person for a period of time and then to the next family for a period of time. You know, yeah. we'd, we'd like to see it that the family were <laughs> coming in. Oh, now, <laughs> I, I, I know that angle from the... Uh, so some older Asian people, they might mm. have had even 10 or 12 children, so yeah. they can rotate around a month at each <laughs> child through the year, which can work well. But also there is the issue, I think, and it might be as well people moving into care. If they move away from their home environment with everything familiar around yeah. them, then that can actually have a very negative effect on oh, their Oh, certainly health. it can. I mean, and if you're mentally frail, so if you, if you do, have some memory problems I mean it, it is ideal to be in a familiar environment um, because that makes things uh, dealing with routines yes and uh, set things as a as a, uh, a very helpful way of doing it and, and uh, you know one of the things that if you maybe if you have memory problems developing having or getting into a system where you do have somebody coming in to help you mm. Yeah. While while you can adjust to that is a really yeah. useful thing, rather than you know thinking that this yeah. is a strange new person coming in every day. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean if you can if you can have met somebody and that they become yeah. your friend as well yeah. as your helper and carer, mm. that makes a, a situation a lot better. Yeah. So it's best to actually start early rather than put it yeah. off until the, yeah. the last minute. Yeah. I think well I think so. I yeah. think that that's uh, there's a bonus in doing that. Yeah. So how long have you been working in this field? Um, I. It gets very worrying when you begin to talk about how long you've done your job these days. Um, I, uh, when I graduated, um, I you then start working as a house surgeon. So you you, yeah. you finish your your six year degree and then you um, work as a training intern and then you start as a house surgeon and you work on three month runs. Mm-hmm. Um, in different areas around the hospital and I was one of those people that um, every time I started a new job I thought oh this is going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life this is just yeah. so so fun yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that's what I'll do and um, and sometimes people can decide after they've done two years so that's eight different specialty runs um, well I, I, I wasn't there by that stage I, I had mm-hmm. another year and um, then realised I did want to work in the hospital Hmm. Um, Why is that? Uh, I quite I, I like the community. I like I like community and the hospital in Palmerston North is. I think that there's um, the city council, Massey University, and then the hospital hmm. as employers of groups of people and yeah. size wise. Um, and yeah, it's it's fun being part of a community. So, okay, so the the hospital community you think is, is strong and supportive and oh, all that, together. Yeah, or? I think that I th- certainly think that it, uh, it it has been. I think that you know slightly less so maybe now because everyone's so busy and resources are so tight. Yeah. Um, Are there groups, or is there a hierarchy yeah, there of different a a, doctors and yeah. nurses and I, specialists <laughs> and administrators? Well, I don't. Yeah, I think that there are. I mean, in the olden days, there was the medical superintendent, there was the chief nurse or matron, hmm. and then there was the accountant. Hmm. Um, and it, it's got more complicated than that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, certainly. I think within the different areas within the hospital, and we it gets chopped and diced up a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
uh, all round so that, uh, I mean, geriatrics, healthy ageing and rehabilitation, um, we're a cluster and um, we have a medical director, um, a nursing director and a business director. So I guess... Oh, you know, so it is the it old is, pattern. It is a yep. little bit this old pattern, um, but... Uh, there's th- th- there's more to it than that, yeah. And we th- there's a whole lot of different governance groups. I mean, it's yeah. when when I first started working at Palmerston North Hospital, which is over 30 years ago, um, we used to have a, a tea room, and um, at morning tea time, um, everyone used to stop their ward rounds, mm-hmm. and the junior doctors, so the house surgeons and registrars, sat down one end of the tea room, and the consultants mm-hmm. sat down the other end of the tea room. And uh, a trolley was brought in, and it had, so it had a, a, a you know a couple of urns of you know water or big teapots and chocolate and biscuits <laughs> for the consultants and uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, like you know there was a bit of it like, bit of it like that, and we but we all stopped and we and we did a whole lot of things you know informally. So if you'd been on the ward round and you had somebody you didn't know quite what was going on, or you needed mm. to ask a surgeon about something, or whatever you, you, those things happened in an informal way and you know it sounds really silly but you know with the advent of an automatic hot water dispenser yes. in the tea room yeah. so that you could come to morning tea at any time hmm. we lost it yeah. <laughs> we lost it is, is there a managerial layer that's come in and um, broken down some of the communication i taken uh, i well like you know doctors uh, we don't, doctors don't always want to deal with the money of these things. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I've been through a number of restructures of the health system. So I've, you know, we were all in district health boards and then we became cheese, cheese Crown Health yeah. Organised Enterprises. Crown health and um, we've been with and we've been with Wanganui for some of it, and then we go without Wanganui, and now we're back with Wanganui a bit yeah. for, for some of these things. And I don't know. I, I feel that I'm somewhat jaded in a little bit about it because I've I've tried to restructure so many times that yeah, um, right. I my my preparedness to engage. Yeah. I sometimes just think, yeah. well, actually, I could just see patients because that's yeah. much more fun. Yeah. I, I saw I the same at university. Yeah. You, you yeah. get a new staff member saying, "Oh, we've got this other structure now. We should be doing this," and you think, oh, "Well, you wait another couple of years. Yeah. There'll be another, another structure." structure. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. I I don't know. I I I think mm. I don't know. Sometimes I think my energy is is less, so that my ability to um. You know, I, I again like cleaning the toilet. I guess I've you know my my yeah, energy. I do it. Yeah. Um, I I prefer to spend it in my garden with hmm. my animals, those, those sorts of things now, um, rather yeah. than uh, living at the hospital, which is yeah. what you do when you're a junior doctor. And yes, you, you, yeah. you you are very close to people that you if you're working sixteen hour days, which we you know we still work a long shift to cover. You know the daytime shift, and then we'll have yeah. a, a night shift. You, you you get close to people in the situation mm. when there aren't very many of you around, mm. or and when you're supporting each other in emotionally difficult times, because in yeah. fact health is quite emotionally difficult quite yeah. often. Yeah. Now that that it's is an interesting aspect because they have said whether someone going to become a a doctor and the sort of hours that they're expected to do as part of the training, which I, most other occupations they simply wouldn't put those demands on people does it make sense can yeah, you see the rationale it's, I, I, it, well it's really tricky I mean I, I I think it's difficult because I think that 
you know, we can still do a lot of medicine Monday to Friday, nine to five for things like clinics mm. and, you know, potentially organised operating lists and things like that, you know, that they, they can easily happen uh, that way. Um, but in fact, you know, running a hospital, you need to have people there 24 hours a day. Yeah. But because things aren't necessarily as busy in the middle of the night, we hope that they're not going to be too many disasters that happen mm. in the middle of the night, um, they... Yeah, you don't need to have so many people on. So it gets it gets difficult because you know we we know to do things most effectively you have experienced people at the front door yeah. helping yeah. triage things. But in fact, when you're old like me, you you don't actually want to be there at three yeah. o'clock in the morning yeah. as as much as as you might have been. Hmm. So when I started um, working in Palmerston, I used to do acute medicine as well as geriatrics. Um, as a, when I started as a consultant, so um, that left me on call for a 24-hour period, mm. um, you know, once a week, and it meant that um, I would go home, um, mm. and but in the evening I was available if there were problems or yeah. if somebody needed my opinion about something, and mm. I would have to go into the hospital, <clears throat> and that's fine, um, mm. but it, I think it does get harder as you get older to be as sharp at three o'clock in the morning yeah. as yeah. I might be during the day and we haven't quite got into a system where um, we could say okay when you have been on call you don't have to think so much the next day mm. um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you know that, that yeah. the, what, what's good for the patient care is for me then to be looking mm. after the patients that I've yeah. heard about that, that that day before. You you want yes. you want to have yeah. continuity, and it's it gets very difficult to get that balance right. I, I mean, I think that you know what everyone really wants when they have a like your family doctor, your GP. You'd mm. actually like to mm. get to know them. Um, yeah. You'd like yeah. to know that you're going to see some person. You're not going oh. to see somebody that you have to tell a new story yeah. to every time. So yeah. having some continuity is yeah. is a nice thing. That's, right. that, that's important that's, just for a holistic approach yeah, to I health. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And um, but So are we moving away from that now? I think that we're moving into a much more episodic. Yeah, because um, when they talk about more flexible hours and shift yeah. work, part-time work and job sharing yeah. and so on. Those things, it does mean to. that you have to be, people mm. have to be flexible and... Um, yeah. That, that, so, that, that so it, have you seen a big change in that? I mean, at one time there was mm. the idea you, you dedicated health worker is putting in a, a lot of time, but maybe get support in the home. And now we've yeah. got a different structure with. Uh, yeah, I think that. I, I mean, I certainly think that you know it's changed in a general practice situation that you no longer expect out of hours yes. for you to be able to ring your own doctor. You know that. Oh, you you, uh, you you book an appointment yeah, three weeks ahead, unless yeah. you, so you've overcome the problem before you see the doctor. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a bit about that, um, and I have to say, you know, very interestingly, that's that is a problem in our area, particularly in, in Auckland and in maybe the Hawkes Bay, um, and in Christchurch and Dunedin, where they have they have a lot more GPs per capita. Where you know we, we've somehow. Got into a situation yeah. that's quite difficult I in, in our up area. The other day, something like one GP for every fourteen hundred people would mm. be about right. That's that's a sort of a pretty ideal that's situation. Really? Yeah, it's not. That's so that's yeah, but it's and we you know here we we sometimes sort of have double that 
number of people per GP, per GP. In, re- in relation to where people are in Auckland. So, so when my friend says she goes to the GP and she's got this special problem and she looked it up on the internet and the GP didn't know and he's not mm. looking into it, there's a very good reason why it's not <laughs> the time. Yeah. It can be tricky, yeah. 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 Mm. Do you find that the internet, you know, you've got either these old people or their families looking stuff up mm. and coming in, is it an advantage that they're more informed or a disadvantage that they've got wacky stuff? <laughs> I think it's. I have to say, I think it's an advantage to be um, to have a degree of health literacy. Mm. Um, I certainly think that there's an advantage. I think that one of the things, uh, and I think about this from a junior doctor perspective as well. Um, you know, when you when you don't when you don't know all the answers as a junior mm. doctor. Not that you know all the answers when you're a senior doctor <laughs> most mm. of the time, but um, you know, you 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 develop expertise in knowing what you're likely to see yes um and things like that and you i don't know that there was always a thing that you know if you hear hoof beats going past your window as you get more senior you'll think that that's a horse going past in, mm. in new zealand likely to be whereas you don't think it's a zebra yeah um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. or you don't um i don't know it's not an old carpi or a um, bison or something like that. You know, yeah, we, we, yeah. we know what's, clear what's, idea what's what coming. And I think that you know, one of the problems from a, a, a junior doctor point of view is that there's, there's so yeah. much information out there. If you you know, you look something up on Doctor Google, um, there's just so much information. You can't tell whether this is um, uh, a zebra's hoof beats or a horse's yeah. hoof beats that you're but, hearing. But that, that to be a big problem for a GP, won't it? Because yeah. sometimes you've got certain things that the symptoms could just be a basic cold or it could be something far more and they think well I see so many of these and it's just a cold yeah. so are you likely to dismiss something? Um, I think that and that's where I think that continuity you know is more important so that if somebody if you have a relationship with somebody and um, you say well I th- you know I think this is a cold these are the things to look out for and mm. you know that these would be what we call red flags you know something that's suggesting it's more of a problem yeah um, and uh, yeah, th- th- then they might be able to come back to you, and you, you, you. you th- it's yeah. lovely if you can then work it up for the next step along the way. Yeah, if you follow them through, and if it keeps <laughs> yeah. repeating, or yeah, you, you actually think, oh shit, I have can, to think of something yeah. else here. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this pattern isn't this, yeah. this isn't the pattern I was expecting. Yeah. Now we've got more of the, the computerized records you can yeah. log into. Is that a help? Um, I think that I think it is a help. I think, as I say, I think that people having understanding of their health problems is a really important mm. thing. It's you know we yeah. we expect to be told you know even a bad diagnosis now, mm. whereas you know I, the, the, yeah. we can still think of times where people you know mm. told the family that somebody had cancer and not the patient themselves. Thank you for listening to Manuatu Conversations. This and other recent programs can also be found on the Manuatu People's Radio website and a range of programs is also available on the Manuatu Heritage website of the Palmerston North City Archive. The address for that is manuatuheritage.pncc.govt.nz If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations 
and go find your new favourite show.